1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the PackerNet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore Netab. So, as was promised, um, well, I guess it would have been two days ago, whatever, on PackerNet after dark. Um, was it Omar? I think it was Omar. Anyways, I had made a promise that I would spend the day, which I'm already well behind. Because I'm stupid and I just always assume, like, if I just go real fast, I can get through a bunch of stuff. And then I started thinking about it and I thought, you know, if you do the top 10 and you spend 10 minutes on a prospect, that's like an hour. If you assume there are breaks involved, it's going to take you an hour to get through the top 10 of each position. How many hours do you think you have? But anyways, I'm going uh, lightning speed to try to finish these up. Um, The question that I was asked, it was sort of of vague-ish, I guess in that, like, who are my top three guys, not necessarily the actual top three. So that's kind of the way I'm approaching this. And, and you know, again, I can do that quite easily for running back because I, I have exactly that. I don't know that it's going to be quite so clean for all the other positions. But for running back, I mean, my favorite is Jonathan Brooks. My next favorite is Ray Davis, and my next favorite is Dylan lauby And again, that's not necessarily to say that they are the best. It's just in terms of, like, guys that I... For whatever reason, was really impressed by, maybe more so than where they're currently ranked. If that makes sense, I, 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 I guess I don't know the best way to say it. Maybe, maybe I do actually like them better than, for example, Braylon Allen, and I just don't have the guts to say it. I'm not entirely sure, but those are my. Those would be those. It's a perfect question for that answer, for that answer, or that answer for that question, because they're both kind of uh, nebulous. But uh, going through corner. Man, some of this I'm going to be doing live for the sake of, uh, well, not, not actually live, but it's like I haven't done the other positions yet. I will do it, and then I will report back to you. But Corner, I did do, I had some time uh, where I had to watch the kids, and so I was watching uh, stuff as I did that. I, I realized that I was slowing myself down by taking notes, so I didn't even do that, which is going to annoy the living crap out of me, because in my mind, it's like I have to, if I'm going to do it, I need to put something down, but it's like I, it's slowing me down. So I'll have the podcast as a record. But I've I've noticed as I go through this, usually as I start down lower, it's kind of hard to find guys. Maybe there's that diamond in the rough once in a while, and then there's like a line where all of a sudden I like all the prospects. Now, it depends what order you look at this in, but that line for me started at TJ Tampa. As soon as I saw TJ Tampa move, I just kind of went, oh. Now again, to be fair, I, I think I mentioned this before, I don't know. I watched Kalen King, Josh Newton, and Max Melton, and this was a little while ago. The only film that I was able to find for these, we're talking all 22, which you have to if you're doing corner. Some of the other positions you can kind of get away from if you need to. They only had like their worst games. So maybe a little bit unfair for those three. Um, The highest graded game that I watched was Josh Newton playing against Georgia in 2022 and had a 63 grade. That was the best game of those three players. But I'm a little bit torn on, on Tampa. Because I love his movement about as well as anybody else, especially off the line. I mean, he just it's so fluid in his ability to just flip his hips and get going with the guy. My only question, I guess, is because I'm trying to think from a Packers perspective, how well is he going to fit? And he wasn't playing a ton of... Even when he was up on the guy, he wasn't really touching him. He wasn't really pressing him. But I I couldn't help but think, I wonder if we did draft TJ Tampa, and he was taught the principles of what Halfley likes to do and why, if he could really explode in that. Because a lot of it isn't just, you know, I think a simplistic way of looking at it is got to find a guy that's just really physical up on the line and can handle the physicality. But it, although it maybe that's a, a piece of it, I think a lot of it just has to do with manipulating the guy so that they have to declare which way they're going so that you can really narrow down the route tree so you know what they're doing. With his movement skills and movement abilities, I feel like if you really narrow down the route tree, he's going to be exceptionally good. So I'm a little torn on Tampa. I I feel like there's a couple question marks. He would be one of my favorite guys if we could just answer those questions of could he just be taught these other things and possibly even be better. From there was uh, Kamari Lasseter. I was a little bit more indifferent on on Lasseter. I'm not a huge fan. Um, I'm going to skip around a little bit because I want to kind of save the best for last, I suppose. I, I was surprised how much I liked Kool-Aid McKinstry and, and maybe I shouldn't be. He's still very much projected to be a first round pick. In fact, he's projected to be gone before the Packers even pick. Of course, he's going to be a good football player. I don't know why. I, I think it's just because at one point he was considered like a top five-ish top 10 lock prospe- uh, prospect. And then he started to fall and it's like his name is goo. It's, it just seems like he's been kind of a joke and I haven't heard anybody get excited about him. So I don't know why I had such low expectations, but I really liked him. He almost reminded me of maybe a slightly better version of TJ Tampa. I like his movement. Supposedly his 40 time is really slow. But the other thing I like about him is when he, he, he really just triggered. Like when he, it's he, kind of a Cooper de Jean kind of thing, even if he's not as good of a tackler or whatever, but like if he sees that ball come out, he's going to shoot like a safety, you know, like a strong safety. He's going to go flying after him. A lot of corners don't do that. Tampa doesn't do it. Lassiter doesn't do it. You know, a lot of these guys, it's kind of like, oh, I'm getting blocked. I don't know. I'll kind of take this wide looping angle just in case he happens to get by everybody and then I'll chase him from behind. So I kind of like Kool-Aid. It's, it's, it's a little bit still a question of, is it the best fit for what we're going to be looking to do? I don't know but I was definitely a fan of him. Um, Cooper DeGene, I was a little disappointed in. And the only reason I say that is because it's it's similar to um, how I felt about Blake Corum. I had built up Blake Corum in my head to be like, I know I'm going to like him more than anybody else. So I don't want to be too prejudiced. I don't want to be too biased about it, you know, because whatever. And then I watched it and it was like, this just isn't what I remembered that I had built it up to be in my head. And so I really like Cooper Dejean, I think he would be a good fit for what we're doing. He's a good physical player. He's a, he's, he's, he just, he checks all the boxes. I do like him, but it's not to the degree that I thought it was where it's like, I would freaking do anything. Cooper Dejean at all costs has to be, must be, whatever. Um, I would say it's similar for Quinion Mitchell. The only thing I'd really watch from him were a couple of clips from the Senior Bowl. There's only one game of Quinion Mitchell and it was, um, it might have even been 2022. I think it was 2022, and it was like his worst game. He was in, graded in like the 50s. It was against, I want to say like Ohio State or Alabama or something. I think it was Ohio State. So it was, it was kind of a... I actually stopped watching it because it was like, this is just giving me a bad opinion of him. So I tried to watch some Senior Bowl stuff, whatever. I'm still of the opinion that he would be a good football player for the Green Bay Packers. I'm going to leave that as sort of an undecided kind of a deal. And uh, Terry and Arnold is very good, but he will be long gone, I'm thinking. So uh, I I think, and and Nate Wiggins, I don't know, whatever. I think he's probably, I I think Wiggins, Mitchell, and and Arnold are probably all gone. So honestly, for me, I think if I had to pick three, aside from like the the mega top guys, guys that maybe we have a shot at, yes, Cooper DeGene is still in there. It's either between Tampa or McKinstry, and that might sound stupid, but if I just had to pick my guy, um, I do like both of them. But I think my actual favorite, and I was, I'm was i kind of upset by this because I thought he was a second-round guy, and then I just watched a mock draft where he went at, like, 18, and I'm like, oh, come on. This was going to be my hot take. I really, really like this guy, and not only just because of how he plays, but what, how good of a fit he would be. It is press man. He is in the guy's chest. He is physical 24-7, and he was playing a lot of man, but also a ton of cover three. So he's got a lot of familiarity, I would say, with what... Um, He's probably going to be asked to do if the Packers did draft him, and that's Ennis Rakestraw. So Cooper DeGene, Ennis Rakestraw, and then I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll have to go back and kind of narrow it down between Tampa and McKinstry. It's probably Kool Aid McKinstry, but you know, I kind of like having those those deep. If we're talking for value, TJ Tampa is supposed to be around sixty. Kool Aid is twenty. It's TJ Tampa easily. Uh, And like I said, I think Kool Aid McKinstry was kind of a better version of Tampa, but I don't know. So those are kind of. That's kind of where I'm at with that. And then again, after that, it was Kalen King. I tried to watch Kalen Carson. I couldn't find anything. Couldn't get into it quite as much. But Rakestraw, man, that was my big takeaway from this. I, I I like Tampa. I like McKinstry, which I should not have been surprised by. But Rakestraw was was the one that was like, okay, that's, that's the guy. Uh, next up, defensive tackle. Why? Because it's just, I'm just going to do whatever I want in the order that I want to do it. So look, again, there's kind of that line where, I guess you could say there's two lines. So the guys that I watched, Mason Smith, McKinley Jackson, Braden Fisk, Rook, Horo, Michael Hall, Leonard Taylor, Chris Jenkins, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, and Jerzon Newton. So the first line is between Horo and Michael Hall. The first four guys, I mean, eh. Doesn't really move the needle. I, could, I can kind of see it as being you know, functional, serviceable for various reasons. Then when you get to Michael Hall, that was the first guy that I appreciated. Now he is a pure, I guess you would say in this situation, three technique. He's a pass rushing defensive tackle. He's uh, 280 pounds, not 180, 280 pounds. So he's a little bit on the smaller side, but I do like him as a pass rusher. Uh, Leonard Taylor was kind of eh. He was kind of back with the other group, in my opinion. And then Chris Jenkins had a couple of times in there where my ears kind of perked up. Same goes for Tavondre Sweat. uh I like Tavondre. I don't know that it's going to be a real thing. Probably not. At over two hundred and sixty pounds, I don't think he had quite as much power as I wish he would have. I mean, he's really hard to move, and he's strong, but. For a guy his size, you would think he could just get inside of somebody and just just fling him straight back, and he kind of didn't do that. But then there's another line, and the next line is for Byron Murphy and Jerzon Newton, and these guys are really good. I think the thing that surprised me, though, as much as I still am a fan of Jerzon Newton, I might like Byron Murphy better. And I watched Jerzon Newton's best game. It was against Wisconsin. Not the whole game. Again, I'm going fast here. But the stuff that I saw Byron Murphy do was kind of insane. Now it's again, this is another guy that was a second round pick at one point. I I wish I had done this earlier because then my takes would have been much better. Byron Murphy's at twenty two. Jerzon Newton's at nineteen. I'm I'm guessing Byron Murphy's going to overtake him very shortly. If I had said this a month ago, when when Jerzon Newton was you know like the twelfth best and Byron Murphy was a second round guy, I would have looked like much more of a genius, but or at least accurate. But just to give you one example, there was a play I was watching against, I think it was Iowa State. I was Tavondre and Byron Murphy. I watched Iowa State. It was both of their best games that were on tape. And first of all, Byron Murphy, I think, got more double teams than Tavondre Sweat, which was shocking. I think Byron Murphy may have done as good, if not a better of a job against the double teams, second of all. But there was a play where he went in full, like sprawl mode. So just shot his feet straight back, got at a 45 degree angle, was getting bent back by these two offensive linemen to the point where his you know, his knees are on the ground and his head is up back over his, you know, I don't know, his calf, whatever, right? So he, he's, he's just in, but he's not moving. He's holding his ground. He's getting real low. Again, he's got his knees all the way down to the ground, and he's able to fight through that, get back on his feet, not like struggle, not like put his hand on the ground. I'm talking about while he's still got guys on him, pushes with it, gets back on his feet and gets to the quarterback. His balance is stupid. I think he is a very, very well-rounded guy. He is probably the most well-rounded. Jerzon, you look at him and go, he's a good pass rusher. I don't know how great he is outside of that. Tavondre Sweat, I like him against the run. He's not a pass rusher. right? Every one of these guys, in my opinion, is kind of one of the other. Chris Jenkins, I think, was pretty well-rounded. He's just a lesser version. But Byron Murphy is... Maybe the best pass rusher, if not Jerzon Newton, and maybe the best run defender that I watched. It's like if you took Sweat and Jerzon Newton and put them together, it would be Byron Murphy. He's just—he's fast. He's te- tenacious. He looks technically um, sound. I mean, some of these guys, you know, McKinley Jackson and stuff like—they're—they're they're kind of big and strong and powerful. Mason Smith, but they just—they're just kind of reckless. They're flailing all over the place. There's a lot of unnecessary energy. But I thought, like, Chris Jenkins and Byron Murphy, I really liked for that. Just sort of get the two-hand swipe, you know, hop to the side, and then sprint to the quarterback. It was all very clean, precise. But, yeah, I mean, Byron Murphy is my top guy. And I'm kind of glad because PFF had really high grades, and I was like, man, I hope I don't hate him. I am, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Byron Murphy. But, I, I, honestly, in my mind, it's kind of get yours on Newton, Byron Murphy, or eh. If you get Sweat, Jenkins, or Michael Hall, all right, cool. If you get Leonard Taylor or Hor 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 Fisk, Jackson, Smith, and it's you know, okay, fine, I guess. Digging into it more at that time, but that's kind of where I'm at. That the top tier is Murphy and Jerzon, with Murphy being king of the universe. I like Sweat and Jenkins and Hall. Hall is a is a pretty scary pass rusher. He's just undersized and got to get manhandled. So it's kind of like where we're at with Wyatt right now. Although I certainly hope that Wyatt will improve as a run defender and all that stuff. It's like, really good pass rusher, but I don't know that you're going to get the run defense that you want. And with Hall, I'm, I'm fairly positive you're not getting it. But I think there's a role for that. You know, it's just kind of a question of what is the threshold of what you're willing to tolerate from a guy that you know is not really built for run defense. And I don't know the answer to that. I'm sure if you asked a guy like Halfley or whatever, oh, we always expect everybody to da da, da, da they're not going to give you the honest answer. But anyways, why don't we take a break? We'll come back. Um, I'm not even sure what positions we're going to do. I know next is going to be safety because I'm just going in order of what I want to watch. And safety's kind of a big deal. And I've been talking about these guys for a while. I kind of know where they stand as far as PFF is concerned. Oh, and Newbin just overtook Kinchins. That's fun. I was just I was just saying, like, I like Newbin. He's, like, the second highest guy he just overtook uh, anyway. But it'll be good. I've been talking about Bullock, Bullard, Kinchins, and Newbin for a while. And uh, hopefully get a couple wild cards in there. So the, the top 10 that I'll be looking at, Newbin, Kinchins, Bullard, Bullock, Hicks, Bishop, uh, Taiki Smith, James Williams, Bo Braid, and Sion Vaki. Where did the name Sion come from? And why is it always somebody with the last name that's like Vaki or Taki? <laughs> I don't know. But why don't we take a break and we'll be right back. Hey, US Cellular customers, I've got good news. So don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at US Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, US Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply.
0: Ah, uh, hmm.
1: All right, day two of the project. <laughs> I knew this is going to take me forever. Safeties. So here's my view of the safeties. There's nobody that I'm over the moon for. You can convince me of just about any of them, especially since it's really hard to gauge speed. And when I look up projected 40 times, really none of them are elite speed guys. So the testing is going to be a big deal for the safeties. However, there is one safety that I definitely like, and that's Tyler Newbin. He's the only guy I really felt sort of checked all of the boxes, at least as far as the way that he played. Now, it was projected 40 times as a 4 6. That's probably gonna be an issue. Oh, he's from St. Charles. But I did like Newbin. Um, again, you, you can probably sell me on anybody, including Kinchin. There's really nobody I watched that I just thought was like terrible. Although pretty much everybody, I kind of just shrugged and went, I don't know that that's like the guy for sure. But there were two that I guess are a little bit further down that at least piqued my interest a little bit. So I'll, in the interest of giving you three names, Nubin and then two kind of wild cards. Again, it's not that I love these guys. It's just sort of a, I'm really interested to know more kind of a thing. Number one is James Williams. That is the safety that played opposite Cam Kinchins. First of all, I couldn't necessarily see a massive difference between the two when they were playing. I, I watched him because obviously I didn't realize it at the time, but any game you're watching, you can watch the two of them. But the thing that's intriguing about James Williams is that he's 6'4-230. Supposedly gonna run a 40 at about a 4'46, so he's got some speed. Um a little bit. Disappointed in like how good of a tackler he is, based on his size. But I feel like that could be cleaned up. And there are some things on tape where he is a violent human being, and he is laying people out. So again, I'm at least intrigued by him because in a group of guys that are kind of just eh, he obviously stands out for his his measurables. The other one, and it's very very weird because of all the guys, um, this one. The only game that they had was from 2022, I think. Let me double check that. Um, But it was, yeah, it was 2022 and his grade was horrific. So I went into it knowing that, like this is not typically who he is. So you're kind of just watching play style. And the safety is Bo Braid out of Maryland. I loved everything about Bo Braid. Now, again, I don't know if he has good enough speed, but his anticipation is phenomenal. And this is 2022. He's a downhill guy. He comes flying from deep. The biggest issue is that his tackling sucked. However, if you look at 2023, his tackling did improve. Now, I didn't get a chance to see it. I would love to watch Bo Braid in 2023. If and when those things come around, I'd be very curious to watch a game of his, at least one where he doesn't grade in like the 40s. But I was very intrigued by Bo Braid, despite the fact that he had a terrible game. It was, it was. I think it was one of those, if this is him at his absolute rock bottom from a year ago, I'm, well, again, intrigued. Um, I will say I, I don't have a problem with Kinchins. Again, I don't know that he's you know good enough to be the dude for sure, but I, I like the, uh, at the very least, I know, you know, the, all these guys, there's a question for me, can they be sideline to sideline guy? So the next question is, like, can you be a safety? And what I mean by that is, can you also be that dude that, comes up and supports, and some of the, some of them really hate it, and some of them do not, and Kinchins seemed fine with it. He is very, very okay with contact. So I'll just throw that note in there. Uh, next up, I want to do quarterback. Um, I know it's probably not something that's relevant specifically to the Packers, but it is a constant conversation, and one that I can't necessarily participate in, and that annoys me. And so we're going to rectify that. And so the top 10... Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Spencer Rattler, Michael Pratt, Jordan Travis, and Joe Milton. So I I think as I look through these quarterbacks, it's very obvious, and I I think this is probably obvious to most people already, but we might as well say it. The quarterbacks that get the most hype are the ones that have the highest ceiling. Everybody wants the next Pat Mahomes. Because as I'm looking at this, there's there's two different ways you can break it down, right? If you break it down based on who has the highest ceiling, then we're kind of looking at the way it is. I mean, I I would probably change it. Caleb and Jaden and JJ would be ahead of Drake May. But the ceiling is, is clearly the biggest thing here. But I don't know that it necessarily corresponds to which guys have the, I, well, I, I guess another way to put it would be lowest floor, but not even that necessarily, just... If you told me which guys do you think are probably going to be able to operate as an NFL quarterback, or or at least has the most likelihood of success, maybe would be the best way to put it. In other words, you're you're a good quarterback. Even if you don't have a super high ceiling, can you be a good quarterback? I think the list would look very different. And so there there's a couple times where I'm watching guys and it's like, I get the ceiling and I fully understand why they're up so high, but I also question whether or not they're going to be able to just... You know, it's the Justin Fields thing. It's the Anthony Richardson thing. Yes, if they if they can be a great quarterback that can make all the right reads and, and do all that, like if they can get to that point, yeah, they're going to be just the most elite, amazing quarterbacks in the world. But are we even answering that question, or are we just saying, I'm going to take the highest ceiling and hope that we can coach them up? And so that's kind of my biggest thing, I think, at least this year, looking at quarterbacks is... The Justin Fields thing, that thing that I've been hammering over and over again, which is, and, and, and Jordan Love too, honestly, it's, can you read the field? And Aaron Rodgers, it was the same thing. It's just, can you read the field? Can you find the open man and get the ball to him on time? And that includes putting your eyes in the right spot at the right time, which comes down to reading a defense. If you understand what play you're calling and what the defense is that's running, then you should have an understanding of what players come open when, and you should have your eyes there and the ball should be out on time which means I shouldn't see guys streaking wide open down the field and you're not looking. And then you force it down the field to a guy that's covered. So there's a lot of guys I like, but I don't know that, I mean, so let's just get it out of the way. Caleb is the top guy, in my opinion. I mean, obviously he's got insane ceiling. I think part of the issue, especially if you're not able to watch or aren't watching all 22, is I hated their offense. It was very stupid. I mean, of all the quarterbacks, the guy didn't have anybody open. They're constantly scheming open these plays. You look, it's like, oh, he's constantly checking the ball down. That was the play call. Everybody else is just blocking down the field. So it's very boring. It wasn't very interesting. There wasn't very much to work with. And generally, when somebody was open, he was there and it was on time. But but of course, it's, it's the question of, can he do the special stuff? And my thought on the special stuff is, I think we overplay that hand for Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes is great because he's consistent. The difference, though, between him and every other consistent quarterback is there are plays that are that need to be made. In other words, he finds the open guy just like everybody else can, but it's a question of can you even get the ball there? Can you contort your arm in such a way uh, to to be able to get the ball to that spot? Whereas most quarterbacks would, you know, either try to escape the pressure and just bail on the play, or would take a sack or whatever. But you're accounting for a small percentage. The, the biggest question for me is, on a play-to-play, down-to-down basis, can you consistently find the guy and throw it to him? So again, Caleb Williams can be that guy that can get you that extra one, two, three, four, five 5% when the play is not where it needs to be. When, when other quarterbacks can't get the ball there, he can get there. But what about the 90%, the 95% of just the play-to-play, down-to-down basis? Can you make the right reads, make the right adjustments? Can you find the open guy? Can you throw an accurate ball on time? That accounts for the vast majority of things, and that's where I'm kind of confused with some of these guys, because it's like, they can't do that. Yes, Jaden Daniels can run like the wind, but the guy's constantly not seeing anything. So, Caleb is probably my top guy. I would probably go J.J. McCarthy next, just because he's the next as far as, in my opinion, the ability to do the special stuff. And I don't see him as being less capable than a lot of these other guys of just finding the open guy. Drake May, I just don't like. I just don't like him. Now, again, I'm only watching. I did watch Caleb's entire game against Stanford. Uh, Drake, I, I try to watch everybody's best game, too. I want to see them at their best, or at least the best game that I can find. I mean, give me give me the best representation of who you are. And I'm watching Drake May, and I, just, I don't get it, man. I mean, you want to talk about every play as a check down, not finding the open guy, inaccurate passes. I, he had like a 92 grade in that game. I have no, he must have really picked it up down the stretch because he did not look good at all. But McCarthy kind of sealed it for me when, or what was, oh, Drake May seal, I, I shut off Drake May when there was a guy streaking wide open down the field, and he decides not to throw it to him and then throws it to a guy that's covered down the sideline and misses him. And that was I was done with Drake May at that point. Um, McCarthy, I stopped it on and on an opposite note. And that was pressure in his face, escapes up and out of the pocket, throws across his body to a tight window touchdown throw. And it's like, okay, I get it. Again, still question marks in terms of you know and and that's the thing everyone's like well he he needs he needs time to grow literally all of these guys do nobody that I watched is i mean if you want to say n f l ready because of you know their style of offense, which by the way, McCarthy has a much more n f l style offense than a lot of these guys then fine, but i I don't know, man, I mean, a lot of these guys need to sit and learn some stuff but i'll say so so Caleb is my top guy, I'll make that my one. the other two that I would highlight that I like maybe more so than than others would be, number one, Bo Nix. I actually put him ahead of Jaden Daniels. No, he's nowhere near as athletic. I get it. Jaden's is amazing. Uh, he won the awards and all the stuff. Yes, had, Daniels has a higher ceiling. Bo Nix was maybe the best I saw of all the quarterbacks in terms of just having his eyes at the right spot, throwing on time, not like a half a second too late, like Jake uh, Jaden Daniels kept doing. It was against Alabama, so you have to be real tight, but it was always a half a second too late, so the ball ended up getting broken up. Bo Nix just seemed to operate the best. So I like Bo Nick. The other one is Michael Pratt out of Tulane, and I know it's a smaller school, and I, I watched him against UCF, which isn't Alabama or whatever, but it's still, I mean, he still faced pressure. He still had to operate the same way because he's dealing with lesser offensive line, lesser wide receivers, etc., so it's, it's about the same thing, but Again, just very, very proficient at just doing what needs to be done to get to get the ball where it needs to be on time. I thought he was really, really impressive. Um just kind of rattling through a few others. Joe Milton didn't like Spencer Rattler didn't like Michael Penix, I actually put as the next lowest. I was just I just no way. Um it's funny because I always confused Bo Nix and Michael Penix. Like I couldn't remember which one, you know, just kinda of like eh, I don't I don't I don't remember which one I like more. I think they both grayed out really well. I really like Bo Bo Nix. I liked Michael Penix mostly because of his PFF grades, but watching him, not at all. Nothing. Never looking the right way, never throwing on time. Serious, like, accuracy issue. I mean, accuracy, ball placement issue. Just no thank you. Uh, Jordan Travis, I like from a standpoint of, like, considering where he's expected to be drafted. I don't mind Jordan Travis as much, but. I don't know. I mean, none of these guys I think are superhuman. I mean, Caleb and JJ are superhuman in terms of, again, they can kind of do some cool stuff. And, you know, Jaden can run around and whatnot. But it wasn't to the standpoint of, like, I've never seen anything like that. This is the craziest thing in the world. They're going to, we're screwed if the Bears get them kind of thing. It's just any one of them could be successful, but all of them need work. Anyways, let's take our final break. Uh, what the heck should we do next? Oh, I know. Offensive line. Durr. Probably start with tackle and then do guard and then get out of here. But uh, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. All right, the tackles that I will attempt to watch. um, There's a lot of them that are graded quite high. If I did the top 100, it would be more than 10. But it's going to be, let's see, Joe Alt, Fashanu, Fuaga, J.C. Latham, Mims, uh, Fatanu. Guyton, Morgan, Sua Mataya, and Patrick Paul. That's the top 10, and they're all in the top 47. So lots of really good tackles. The next one drops all the way down to 83, so there's a huge gap there. And then from there, Blake Fisher's 104, so another gap there. So 10 guys in the top 40 works out pretty nicely. So I would say for me, for tackle, there are much more clearly defined lines, unlike, for example, safety, where it's like, I don't know, I like him, the rest are kind of, eh, maybe. So first of all, there wasn't enough for Tyler Guyton to be able to really see anything, so I just skipped him for now. I think there was one game in 2022 when he was injured, played like six snaps, and I didn't want to go back to 2021, so I just left it. But there's a pile of guys, I mean, and and they're all in the 40s or better, but it's just kind of like, I don't know. Really lacking in mobility is a big problem for a lot of these guys. And so the first sort of line would have been uh Sua Mataya, who I had the lowest, and then Patrick Paul. Then there would be a line, and then Jordan Morgan. Jordan Morgan, I watched against UCLA. He at least has some movement ability. So it's like, all right, he can move, he can get to the next level, he can kind of do that stuff. All right, I do. Then you've got kind of like the big right tackles. And I have them in a row. You've got Amarius Mims, J.C. Latham, and Troy Fontenou. And Mims is usually the type of guy that I like. Just a big, massive human being that can't be moved. But he, he just, he doesn't move enough himself. And so you don't even really get to see the power as much because he has a hard time moving and getting himself into the right position to actually blast a guy. So I just, I would not trust him at all. J.C. Latham was significantly better, but he still really struggled with speed. Speed to the outside, speed to the inside, just the ability to kind of adjust to that. And then Fontenu was just, oh wait, I'm confusing Fontenu and Fuaga. Fuaga, who I have ahead of Fontenu, is the other right guard, and he's sort of the upgrade over Latham, in my opinion. Uh, still wasn't massively like head over heels for the guy, but it's very obvious to see, because he's he's like Latham, he's a big, massive, strong right tackle, but he, he looks really fast. He's able to move that big frame around. So, uh, again, it it wasn't perfect, but you could see why from a toolsy standpoint, you would really like Fuaga. maybe even more so than just about anybody else. Um, Fontenu, who I had below Fuaga, I also really, really liked just because he kind of is like the first guy that checked all of the boxes, even if each check was more of a B. I really liked him. And then then you got a line, and it's Fashanu and Joe All. And this is where you get just sort of the undeniable unmovable kind of thing and that's that's fashanu in particular as a pass blocker the guy he just doesn't move i mean you see people with as much power as they can try to get inside of his chest and it's like okay cool just running into a brick wall um he's built just ridiculously the the only question about fashanu is you know he doesn't move i mean he he moves in a in a from a tackle standpoint he moves pretty well but in terms of like okay, getting out in space, getting up to the next level type stuff. He's he's a little bit clunky, and that's why I put Joe Alt ahead. Now Joe Alt maybe isn't as good of a pass blocker, but he's a very good pass blocker, and he's got real good movement, and he's still a massive. He he looks tiny. I mean, from a like his frame looks small, but it's because he's six foot eight, and so all that weight which he has a lot of gets distributed to the point where he looks like he might be kind of a small. Like, if he was six foot four, he'd be 290 pounds. But he's a big dude. He's a strong guy. He moves real well. He's almost like maybe just a slightly better version of Fuaga and on the left side. But I, I, I would draw the line with the first four as far as the guys that I'd be really excited about Joe Alt, Fashanu, Fuaga, and Fontenou. Uh JC Latham is fine. Be pretty, pretty good with that. But I, I just, you know, again, he seems a little bit too slow and i especially think the packers are not going to be interested in that yeah you might be getting sort of the mauler but i just would worry that you'd have kind of like a billy turner kind of a deal where guys just constantly are beating him with stunts and twists and things and it would just annoy the living crap out of us all right and then finally we'll do interior offensive line we've got jackson powers johnson graham barton zach frazier cooper Beebe, christian haynes cedric van pran dominic Puny Christian Mahogany Zach Zinter and uh, maybe Bo Limmer. I don't know. It was perfectly inside the top 100 with the top nine. Let's just do nine. Let's do Zach Zinter. I'm I'm tired. I'm <laughs> I'm kind of burned out. We'll do nine. All right. Finally, interior offensive line, and this one definitely gets into more murky territory, similar to safety, where it's like they're all fine, and they are because one of the things about interior offensive line is they just don't move very much. They very rarely lose in pass blocking. and run blocking, very rarely do you take a guy and just shove him straight across the field. So it's a matter of, you know, inches. Are you able to slightly turn the guy and leave a little bit of a path? And even then, it's such a mess because you got your center blasting into you. You got the tackle hitting you from the other side. You got multiple. It's just a pile, and it's hard to differentiate. Like, well, I mean, you did as good as you could have done, I guess. I don't know. Um... With that said, I didn't get through a ton. I only did the nine, and then uh, several of them didn't have either any tape or nothing since 2021, and I didn't want to go back that far. There were a few 2022s that I did do. But I will say, as far as looking for the three, the top three are probably my favorite three, which would be Jackson Powers Johnson, Graham Barton, and Zach Frazier. However, some kind of unique thoughts on that. First of all, Graham Barton's very hard to tell because he plays tackle. He might be the best of the group, but it's really hard to tell. I mean, he, he he did a phenomenal job of you know, using his strength to be able to stonewall guys, And you, but you assume when you move to the inside, you're going against bigger guys. Can he do it to them, too? Uh, the athleticism should certainly be there because he's a pretty athletic tackle as it is. So, I mean, he could end up being a phenomenal guard, but I don't know. So I, I kind of just put him third based on I'm not sure. I put Jackson Powers Johnson second. And that too was kind of partially based on I don't know, and that's because you know he's like a lot of these guys that are really powerful, and he is extremely powerful. But I I wonder, especially at center, you got to be able to move in today's NFL. It's it's you got to have some speed to get up to the next level and cut off the linebackers. And I I I watched almost his entire game against Texas Tech, and I didn't see him do it once. I saw him go after a linebacker once who stood there in the middle of the field. I also saw him go out and and lead block, and again, a corner slash safety, whatever he was, just stood there and let him annihilate him. Which looks cool, but if you'd have sidestepped, maybe he would have completely whiffed. I have no idea what would have happened, and still, we're not talking about cutting off linebackers. We're talking about a guy standing stationary and you hitting him from the side. So I don't know. If he can do it, sure, maybe he's the top guy. I think my favorite in terms of what a 2023 center looks like is Zach Frazier out of Bay- uh, out of uh, West Virginia. The game I watched was Baylor. He's a little bit smaller, but a lot of centers are. So he's not this big, massive, beefy guy like Jackson Powers Johnson, but he held his own as well as anybody else. And again, pass blocking—I mean, it's kind of a wash because centers, especially, very rarely give up any pressures. So you look at Jackson Powers Johnson, it's like, oh man, he's he's unmoved as a pass blocker. Well, so is every other center. So it kind of comes down to run blocking, and I thought Frazier did a phenomenal job. His ability to like turn people inside a small, confined space, but then also, he can take off like a freaking cannon to get to these linebackers. So, um, I mean, from, from a value standpoint, would I rather have Jackson Powers Johnson in the first round or Zach Frazier with maybe our second, second round pick? it would be Frazier, and it's not even close. All things being equal, I mean, again, if if Powers Johnson can do those things, if he can also get up to the next level, which it doesn't look like he can. He doesn't look as fast. He looks a little bit clunkier to me than cool. But, uh, yeah, that that would be my takeaway from the interior is that Zach Frazier is probably – I mean, he's the guy that I I like the most, sort of a my guy on the interior. But – Anyways, man, oh man, that was a, uh, I know this, this episode is actually kind of short relatively, but, uh, that was a two day freaking marathon. Uh, what didn't we do? So, uh, I have done running back in the past. I've done wide receiver in the past. We did quarterback, uh, tackle, interior, defensive line, corner and safety. So there's tight end, which, eh. and then what edge and linebacker. It's about it that I haven't looked at yet so maybe tomorrow I don't know we'll see how it goes but I'm gonna leave it at that any questions that you have uh, feel free to call it in and pack packing it after dark but I'm gonna get out of here you guys have a good rest of your day night whatever have a good one bye-bye